This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. New month, right? Our first show here in the month of October. October usually means, well, of course, the continuation of the football season. You got the NBA and the NHL getting underway. And baseball will ultimately crown a champion or at least take steps in crowning a champion because now the World Series goes to November. But at least for our teams here close to home, when you look back on the last couple of days, you know, going in, the Mets and the Braves, that was the big headliner, right? And on Friday night when we did the show, we put up a Twitter poll, like, what was the big sporting event involving the locals that you were going to have your eyes on and you were concerned about the most for the weekend? You had Mets-Braves, you had the Aaron Judge home run quest, Jets-Steelers, Giants-Bears. And by far, the winner was Mets-Braves, because obviously from a team competitive standpoint, that was the biggest game. I know that football, you only play 17 of these things, so each one of them certainly carries a big degree of importance, right? The Judge thing, you know, you're a Yankee fan, you'd like to see it happen, but I don't even know too many people that are overly consumed with it. But Mets-Braves, that was big, right? That was for first place. That was for, in all likelihood, maybe your best path to getting to a World Series if you're a Met fan. You wanted to cement away something that you had had control of pretty much all season long. Once upon a time, that lead was 10 and a half games in that National League East. Didn't even look like the Braves were maybe even going to be a factor, right? Maybe the Braves were kind of enjoying the spoils too much of being a defending World Series champion in the first couple of months of the season. You know what? They played that way. And like they couldn't even be bothered about contributing in 2022 or maybe trying to defend that title or win a fifth consecutive National League East title. And then June 1st came and the Braves were out in Arizona. Brian Snitker, who was their season skipper, guy does a great job, of course, knows the pulse of his team. He decided to hold court have one of those famous team meetings. And needless to say, since that team meeting in Arizona for the Atlanta Braves on June the 1st, they have taken off like no other team has in Major League Baseball. They have been the best team in baseball for the last four months. Mets have been a good team, but not at the level of the Braves over those four months. Mets have played first-place caliber baseball for those four months but not at the caliber of the Atlanta Braves. And maybe in another year, in another division, the level in which the Mets have performed would have been good enough to sew away a division championship, right? But now you had to fight off this team. And fight off this team, which is not only a defending champion, but was playing better than everybody else. And it all culminated with three games down in Atlanta this weekend. And we knew that it was ultimately going to come down to that. You hoped it wouldn't, right? Like once September rolled around and you had the Mets and the Braves and it was a collision course to see who was going to finish first, you looked at the schedules of both teams and the Mets had a distinct advantage, did they not? That Mets schedule in the month of September is what was supposed to give them the inside track to win the National League East. How many bottom feeders? Remember, they were only playing two teams that had winning records in the month of September. They were playing the Milwaukee Brewers, and they were playing the Atlanta Braves. That was it. Everybody else was a patsy. 
Everybody else was a bottom feeder. Everybody else was a team that was essentially supposed to just roll over because they weren't playing October baseball this year. The Mets were, so don't spoil their plans. Well, something funny happened along the way, did it not? Right? Something happened along the way. Mets lost two out of – remember we had the Dodgers series, right? Timmy Trumpet showed up. We had fun with it at the time, didn't we? Timmy Trumpet was in town. Oh, it was fantastic. Wasn't it? It was a big party. Mets were in first place. Edwin Diaz was striking out the whole world. Nothing was going to get in this team's way. But ironically enough, since that Timmy Trumpet night, the Mets have looked a little less than imposing, right? 15 wins. 13 losses, that's average to me. That's mediocre. Right after that Dodger series, the Nationals came into town. And they took two out of three games. Right? Then they went to Pittsburgh and got walloped in that first game. They saved face and won a couple. Won two out of three down in Miami. And then the Cubs came to town. Cubs playing out the string. Cubs are an awful team this year. Cubs came in here and swept the Mets. Three games. Right? But the Mets recovered. They swept four from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Then they go into Milwaukee and take two out of three. Clinch a playoff spot in the process. Take two out of three in Oakland. Split two games against Miami. And you're thinking, okay, maybe it wasn't the most impressive brand of baseball that we have seen from this team, but it was still good enough that you put yourself in position going into Atlanta to now where you had a cushion. You had a one-game lead. And you had the tiebreaker. And if you were only going to win just one of those three games against the Atlanta Braves, guess what? That gave you the season tiebreaker. All you needed was one. Two would have been nice. Three, you would have clinched the division, which was asking for a little much. But just win one out of those three games. The breaker was yours. And then that would at least get you to tonight with a chance to control your own destiny against the Washington Nationals. Well, Mets had their three best pitchers lined up for this series. Maybe the two best pitchers you would want on the mound in a big game situation, in Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. So what happened on Friday night? DeGrom can't keep the ball in the ballpark. Despite the fact the Mets take a one nothing lead, wasn't good enough. They couldn't hold it. They couldn't tack on runs. They got Max Freed out of that game after five innings. Well, I should say... Max Fried's digestive system got him out of the game after five innings. But as soon as the Mets got a one nothing lead for Jacob DeGrom, what does he do in the bottom half of the second inning? Goes out there and gives up two long balls. So much for the lead. Goodbye. And the Mets would never see the lead again. Because Austin Riley and Matt Olson and Dansby Swanson. And oh, by the way, speaking of Dansby Swanson, let's just tell it like it is. We're all friends here. We're honest with each other. That's another shortstop I'd rather have on the Mets and pay $340 million than Francisco Lindor as far as the clutch quotient is concerned. How many big hits has has Dansby Swanson gotten in the last two years? And, oh, by the way, helping the Braves win a title last year. How many? How many big hits? How many big hits against the Mets? And I'm not saying Swanson's worth $340 million, but I know who isn't worth $340 million. And I don't want to make this about Lindor because he's had a good year. But Swanson is a clutch player. 
and a good player. And he's going to make a lot of money in the open market this offseason. A lot of money. So the Met bats couldn't come alive. They lose that first one. Then you got Max Scherzer on Saturday. And then you're tied for first place. And going into Saturday, I say to myself, all right, you know what? This is what you pay $43 million for. This is why you give a guy, Max Scherzer, all that money. Because you knew there'd be a game like this for him to start. And this is when that money would be well worth the investment. Well, what happened on Saturday night? Similar script as the night before, actually. Right? Mets get a lead, a first inning lead. All right. Off and running. Give Max a lead. You know what? Max actually kept the lead for a few innings. But then Braves tie it. Then the Mets take the lead again in that game. Remember, McNeil McNeil was the only guy who was hitting the baseball all weekend for the Mets. But then he couldn't keep that lead. Dansby Swanson again with a go-ahead two-run homer. Then Matt Olson goes deep again. See the common theme here? Swanson, Olson, right? And then just like that, the Mets are out of first place. And then it all came down to last night. Even as disappointing as those first two games were, you say to yourself, all right, Bassett, believe it or not, has pitched better than DeGrom and Scherzer since like the beginning of August. You'd have faith in him, that bulldog mentality. Faith in Chris Bassett to at least get you one of these three games. And it would get you the season tiebreaker. And you could control your own destiny for the final three games of the season. And then the script flipped a little bit. This time the Braves took the lead first. Dansby Swanson again with a home run the first inning, right? But then the Mets bounce back. Vogelbach hits a home run. McNeil hits a home run. Vogelbach another RBI. Mets got a two-run lead for Bassett. Two runs. And the third inning, it all completely just falls apart on him. He gives three runs right back, and then that's game, set, match, because the Mets couldn't get any other hits. Nice to see Francisco Alvarez this weekend, wasn't it? Good to see him. Much ballyhooed prospect. Top prospect in baseball. Remember him? It's good to see him. Uniform fit well. I liked his necklace. Be nice if he could maybe hit the damn ball. I don't know what's going to happen. We should run a a poll question tonight. What's going to happen first? Francisco Alvarez is going to get his first major league hit or Aaron Judge is going to hit his 60-second home run? I'm not convinced either are going to happen this year, to be quite honest with you. And I'm not blaming Francisco Alvarez. You know, I'm being ha-ha. Reason Francisco Alvarez is up here is because the Mets swung and missed, plainly speaking, at the trade deadline. They swung and missed. Every guy that they acquired at the deadline has done absolutely nothing for them. And don't give me Daniel Vogelback that he got a couple of big hits last night. Who cares? And he's funny when he runs around the bases. Who the hell cares? Vogelback, Naquin, Ruff, Michael Givens, anybody else that they were pinching pennies to try to acquire at the deadline? Because I know the Braves went out there, among others, and traded for Razel Iglesias from the Angels, who, yeah, he still had a few years left on his contract, and it was a lot of money to inherit and he's a closer, and the Mets have a closer ready, and all these other things. But did the Mets sniff Rosel Iglesias over the weekend? Has any other team sniffed Rosel Iglesias as he served as a setup man to Kenley Jansen down the stretch for this Braves team? No. And why do you think Francisco Alvarez was even up here? Because Darren Ruff has been abominable. And somebody needs to explain that trade to me, how that made sense. Sending J.D. Davis out to San Francisco to bring back Darren Ruff? J.D. Davis did more for the Giants than Darren Ruff did for the Mets after the trade was made. 
You think Darren Ruff is really hurt and he's got a neck injury? Darren Ruff is on the IL because they needed to make a roster spot for Francisco Alvarez because the Mets said you might as well stick a right-handed cardboard cutout up in the batter's box over Darren Ruff down the stretch and certainly in that Atlanta series. They'd fare better. It's not like Alvarez even did anything. He couldn't even keep the bat in the, uh, on the field. He was swinging and missing and throwing the bat into the stands. He was so jacked up. But this ain't about him. It's about the guys that were required to perform in the biggest moments for this baseball team, if they were going to do something special this year, came up completely empty and completely small this weekend. Lindor, Alonzo, Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett. I know these guys have had good years. But these were the three most important games they played all season long, and collectively, they all struck out. And I don't know if you're a Met fan, how you can watch those last three games and feel good about this team's chances going into October. Because I said a few minutes to go to Don and Peter at the end of the K-Show. The two guys, DeGrom and Scherzer, which were supposed to be the aces in the hole for you, that were supposed to separate the Mets from the rest of the pack in Major League Baseball about getting to a World Series and having those guys on your side. The fact that now Scherzer's talking about his arm being a little bit fatigued, DeGrom, who's thrown two stinkers in a row right now, how are you expecting them to suddenly wave a magic wand, snap their fingers, and pitch it to a World Series? Explain that to me. I know it hasn't been a bad season. They won 98 games. They're going to the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. They could put a wild card banner up on the roof there at City Field. They can sell tickets for it next year. You could bring Timmy Trumpet out to play his damn trumpet when you unveil the wild card banner from 2022. That's great. Meantime, the Braves are going to be booking Elton John to play their championship ceremony next year when they unveil a second straight World Series banner and a fifth straight National League East title. Oh, by the way, there was football this weekend, too. But football takes a back seat on this Monday because it's about the Mets. 800 919 is the telephone number. There's no Met game tonight, by the way. Rained out. I don't know what took him until 7.15 to do it. I mean, all you had to do was look out the window. A five-year-old could have told you that at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Don't know anything about makeups yet, whether they're going to get these games in. We'll keep you posted. Straight doubleheader to be played tomorrow at 4.10. Good luck. Plenty of good seats available. It's supposed to be miserable on Tuesday as well. How does the Met fan feel this evening? After what they witnessed over the weekend, love to hear from you. Dan Grasser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We'll get to all the football. Don't worry. Jet fans happy. Giant fans happy. We'll go around the league and there'll be plenty of time for that, of course. And like, you can't make this up. You know, everything we just said about the Mets. And the Braves right now, we're losing 2-0 to the Marlins going to the third inning. Like, you can't, you know, you just, you can't, not, look, this isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. All right, the Braves will win this division with the magic number just one. But isn't it funny? And if you're just joining us, too, the Mets rained out tonight. They're going to play a straight doubleheader coming up at 4 o'clock tomorrow out at City Field. And that's also weather permitting because the forecast is going to be miserable tomorrow for the Mets and the Nats as well. Now, you know, if you do take a step back and just kind of analyze things rationally, and I know that that's hard to do for some people, even myself at times. You win 98 games, you have a good season, right? You accomplished a heck of a lot. There was a lot of good moments. But you still fell short of your ultimate goal. You know, the San Francisco Giants last year, they ended up winning their division. They won 107 games, but still couldn't get past L.A. in the playoffs when it mattered the most. So if you're going to tell me that the Mets are going to miss out on winning the NL East, but they're going to have to lock horns with the Atlanta Braves, and then the Mets get their revenge then, hey, so be it. Rather have that happen any day of the week. But are you confident that that would even become reality? Because right now, what the Mets have likely played themselves into, if you're talking about a path to get to a World Series, you're playing the San Diego Padres, even though that's not official, it still could be Philadelphia. And there's a minute chance, yeah, that it could be Milwaukee or whatever. It, it's probably going to be San Diego. But I wonder if there's going to be, like, jockeying, because if you're San Diego or you're Philadelphia, do you really want to be the five seed right now? Do you really want to be that second wild card? Wouldn't you rather be the third wild card team? Because that team gets to play St. Louis in the first round. I'd much rather take my chances with them than, let's say, the Mets who still could throw those pitchers at you even if they have been laboring of late. And then if you get through the St. Louis Cardinals, let's say, you're playing the Atlanta Braves, not the Los Angeles Dodgers. It could potentially be an easier path to the next round for you. I don't know if they're thinking about it in those terms. And if you're the Mets, hey, it doesn't matter who it is. Padres, Phillies, Phillies you've had the better of, certainly playing this year at home at City Field. And on the Padres side of things, You know, you're asking them to go all the way to the East Coast. You got all three games in your ballpark. And the thing about San Diego, despite the fact that they have a lot of talent, this is a team that, you know, collectively they've won nothing. Remember, the last time the Padres made the playoffs in a full 162-game season, you got to go all the way back to 2006. So that was a most of these kids were still in grammar school that are on the Padres right now. That's a long time ago. And remember, even though I like Bob Melvin as a manager, Bob Melvin was the guy making out the lineup card for all those Oakland A's teams that couldn't get out of the first round, right? So I don't think the Padres are necessarily a bad matchup, and I don't think the Phillies are a bad matchup. 
to be quite honest with you. But it's this team and where they're at right now. And if you're going to tell me, it's amazing. Look, I, I, I love Starling Marte. I think he's been great for this team this year. That was, aside from Max Scherzer, probably their best pickup in the offseason. That's how good Starling Marte's been. But for people to sit here and try to spin the Starling, the Starling Marte injury as the reason why the Mets can't score any runs anymore, I mean, he's not Roberto Clemente. He's not Henry Aaron. All right, he's a good player, he's an all-star player, but he's not Barry Bonds. There's enough guys in this lineup. You got two guys in this lineup who both knocked it over 100 runs this year in Lindor and Alonzo. Right, McNeil is competing for a batting title. There's enough guys in this lineup to be able to get some offense going, certainly more than what you saw this weekend. All right, let's hear from the Met fan, 800-919-3776. Daniel in Queens, first up here on 98.7 ESPN. Daniel, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. What's I, up, Dan? You know, yeah, I was really disappointed with the loss, you know, the sweep uh, from the Braves this weekend. Uh, but if you look back, the, you know, the Mets didn't do so well in, in Atlanta the last time they were there. And they did really well on the when the Braves were in New York. I actually went to the first game. Carrasco pitched a great game there uh, on, in City Field. In any event, really disappointed with the pitchers. But looking ahead with these three games coming up, you know, uh, Buck needs to rest his players. You know, we need Lindor. Canna has looked terrible, and when when he when he had when Canna had a break, when um, what's his name, the lefty uh, that hit two home runs against the Braves, um, Naquin. I forgot his name, but anyway, Naquin. Naquin. Thank you. When Naquin uh, came in and Canna got a rest, when Canna came back, he went on a tear. So I think Cannon really needs a break. I think Lindor needs to get a couple of days off. And I think we'll be okay against the Padres or the Phillies or whoever whoever we play. I know the Florida Marlins are uh, – not Florida. Miami Marlins are up right now, two zip. But I can't bank on them sweeping the, the, the Braves right now. you you gotta you got to just throw in the towel and rest the players. What do you what? think? Dan, I don't, I don't disagree with you in terms of these guys need some rest. And I thank you for the phone call. And I actually think that – and I hope – that Buck will be able to get a couple of these guys off of their feet before Friday. And, and look, realistically, let's just be honest with each other. Mets are not winning this division, right? Braves are not going to get swept. The Braves have won eight in a row against the Marlins. Eight. They're playing for everything. And remember, even though Miami won three out of four over the weekend against Milwaukee to spoil their chances of going to the playoffs, the Marlins have already waved the white flag on Sergio uh, Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara was supposed to pitch the season finale on Wednesday against Atlanta, but they already said, no, they're shutting him down. Because for what? Alcantara is the most important player in their organization, the guy who's probably going to win the Cy Young this year. You hate to think in these terms, but rationally, you almost kind of wish the Braves just win tonight and end it. So, like, as Daniel was saying, then you can risk. I mean, now you're playing the doubleheader tomorrow. So what are you going to do if you're the Mets? Like, let's just say by some small chance the Braves lose tonight to the Marlins. Mets are going to show up to the ballpark tomorrow at 4 o'clock, having to play two games in one day, and what? Still with a pulse, and then Buck is going to write, like, all these guys in the lineup for not one but two games if they're still into it. And they, if the Mets win the first game, They'll still be alive because the Braves don't play tomorrow until 640. So that second game of the doubleheader will be going on the same time as the Braves game. So theoretically, you might still be alive. But is it really a worthwhile cause for you? 
This team looks a little shot. And they could benefit from the rest. Robert in Manhattan, he's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Robert, how are you? Hey, Dad. Listen, I have to admit something. I'm not a Mets fan, but I'm going to be objective, okay? Let me ask you a question. Do these three games, suppose if it rains tomorrow like crazy, I've already heard that it's going to be torrential. Yeah. Now, suppose it's suppose the doubleheader. Can't baseball just say, look, folks, we have to start the – by the way, do they have to start the uh, uh, the um, playoff, uh, playoffs Friday night? They can't move – I hope they can't move that back. Well, no, the, the plan is to start it Friday. You do have that day in between on Thursday. You could play a game on Thursday if need be. Yeah, but when, suppose if the doubleheader is, is, is uh, uh, canceled because of the weather, what would happen? Then a, a doubleheader Wednesday and a game. Well, I have to play a doubleheader Thursday. Wednesday, and then if Can't you know what would happen, say, sorry, folks. Can't baseball just say, ah, "Look, I, I, I know what you're going to tell me." The integrity of the game. Well, no, no, no. no. What care. I'm going to tell you is, is that if if it plays out to where the division is still not decided, or if it is decided, then the Mets just won't play 162 games. It's as simple as that. We've seen teams play only like 161 sometimes, just because of those circumstances where you can't make up a game that doesn't mean anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> what you're saying is that, that that Thursday would be that uh, that extra game. All right. Yeah. Listen. Come on, Braves. Win tonight. End this silliness, okay? But what I was started to say to you, Dan, was simply this. Look, I'm objective enough to say this. If the Mets had won one of the games from the Cubs, you wouldn't have this. The Atlanta Braves did not lose to bottom feeders, Dan. I'm just telling you a fact. The, the, the Mets fans can whine and complain and all this, all this mishigas, to use an old Swahili word. Yeah. But the fact is the Mets lost to Oakland. They lost to the Nationals. They lost to the Marlins. They lost to Pittsburgh. Atlanta didn't. That's why this past weekend would not even have been necessary. But you know Back something, Robert? Not. Here's the thing. And, and I know it's easier said than done. And I thank you for the phone call. Here's the difference, though. All right. You play 162 games. Right now they've played 159. We're just talking about the games in September, right? Why can't we go back to a game that happened in April that you say, oh, the Mets shouldn't have lost that game, or a game in May? Oh, how did you lose to the, the Nationals in May, right? Or how did you lose to this bad team in June? Or what about, what about that game you played against a good team where you had a five-run lead and then your bullpen blew it for you and you lost the game? Like, you could, we could play this game all night long. But it also works both ways. What about the game that the Mets won in St. Louis earlier in the season when they were down by four runs down to their final out in the ninth inning? What about that game in Philadelphia in April where the Mets scored seven runs in the ninth inning to stun the Phillies, right? So, like, they won a couple of games that they were supposed to lose. It goes hand in hand. And when you play this many, it, 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 you could pick and choose so many different games along the way. Guess what? Mets play the same teams the Braves played. Braves play the same teams the Mets played. They're in the same division. You know, that's how this works. They all equal out the same way. And if you want to ask right now, record against bottom feeders, Mets this year against teams with losing records, 53-24. and 24. Braves, 60-22. and 22. Braves actually played more, and, and here's where it is a little different. Because remember, the interleague crap with the Subway Series, Mets had to play four games against the Yankees. Braves, I don't think, played four games against the Yankees. 
That's not their quote-unquote natural rival. Mets only played 77 games against teams with losing records. The Braves played 82. And the Mets played five extra games against teams with winning records than the Braves did. Mets are 45 and 37 against teams with winning records. The Braves are just 40 and 37. How about that? So the Braves really fattened up this year against the bottom feeders. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. But you know what does matter? Brian De La Cruz just hit a home run in the third inning for the Marlins. I believe it's a solo, it's a two-run shot. So now the Braves have, or the, the Marlins have doubled their lead. They got a 4 nothing lead over Atlanta in the bottom of the third. And not for nothing, can't you expect the Braves to come out flat? You go down to Miami, there's about six people in the ballpark. You just had an emotionally charged series against the Mets, which in, in so many ways you did everything but pop champagne because you wrapped up the division. This was an opportunity for the Braves to completely come out flat tonight. And this isn't really much of a surprise. They're down 4 nothing. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We come back. You know what? Let's switch gears and talk about something a little bit more optimistic. We'll talk a little Mets, or excuse me, a little Jets. They get a big win, a come-from-behind win yesterday, and they're 2-2. Two and two. And it looks like they've got a season here on their hands. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN, on this overreaction Monday. Glad you could be a part of it at 800-919-3776. Just joining us, Mets rained out. They'll play a doubleheader tomorrow, weather permitting. Yankees doing battle with the Texas Rangers. Judge has an at-bat, didn't hit a home run. That's all you need to know there. And the Braves are trailing the Marlins 4-0 in the third inning down in Miami. So that's the relevant baseball stuff as we proceed on through the program. And now we will talk about something a little bit more uplifting, right? And there haven't been too many times over the years where we can talk about, say, the Jets or any of our local football teams and refer to it as uplifting. But that is what you have right now, right? Another win for the Giants. A win is a win is a win. No style points. And then the Jets, who were up 10 yesterday in Pittsburgh, then gave up 20 unanswered points, only to rally in the fourth quarter, with two touchdowns of their own, to stun the Steelers. And I know that this isn't the same Steelers team. I know that Ben Roethlisberger's not playing. I know that Troy Polamalu's not back in that secondary. I get all those things. But it's a road win in the National Football League, and it's a road win in a place where the Jets have only won one other time in a city, I should say, because there were two stadiums. One other time in the history of their franchise in the regular season. Early in the fourth quarter, you're down 20-10. Pittsburgh just scores 20 unanswered points. I don't know about you. We're sitting there, and it's kind of like deja vu all over again. How many of you were getting Baker Mayfield vibes watching the way that game unfolded? When Kenny Pickett came into the game to start the second half for the Steelers, 
you thought this is Baker Mayfield on that Thursday night with the Cleveland Browns against the Jets in 2018, where the Jets were beating up Tyrod Taylor. Mayfield, who was a rookie, hadn't played yet, comes into the game, leads the Browns to a victory. All was right with the world in Cleveland, and the Jets lose. And Kenny Pickett was essentially doing the same thing, erased a 10-point deficit, put up 20 straight points, and now the Steelers are comfortably ahead in this football game. At 20-10, to 10, the game looked like it was going to be headed in the other direction for the rest of the fourth quarter. And this was just going to be another lopsided, two-score defeat that the Jets were going to have to explain. You had Zach Wilson turning the football over left and right. You thought the mistakes are going to continue. Boy, nothing is going right for this football team. But then something clicked. Something changed. Something was different. And it was a completely different story than what we had seen, let's say, in quarter number three. And the quarterback was the architect. And, I mean, you could win games, and there's different ways that you can beat another team. But when you do it in which the manner the Jets did yesterday, and when you had the quarterback be the guy who was chiefly responsible near perfect when he had to be in those final two drives. I think that would make it extra satisfying if you're a fan. 10 for 12, 128 yards, touchdown pass in the last two drives of the game for Zach Wilson, including a perfect 6 for 6 on that final drive. That's what the takeaway should be. Not just the Jets won a game, but the quarterback who had not played for seven weeks, who was behind a makeshift offensive line, and we'll get to that in a second, right? Still trying to work off the rust, trying to get acclimated to live bullets in a real game, going up against a desperate Steelers team, against an attacking defense, running for his life, already had made mistakes earlier in the game, to being able to shake those off, get back in there, and make the plays necessary to help this team win a football game I don't know what more you could want if you're a fan, really. I don't know what more you could ask for if you're a Jeff fan. Not perfect, right? Not perfect. A lot of things to clean up. Coaches will tell you the same thing. But the bottom line is they're 2-0 on the road. They're 2-0 on the road. For the first time since 2015, they start 2-0 on the road in a place where they never win. And how about this defense? Creating four turnovers in the game yesterday. Four. I mean, we've been lamenting the fact that Jet defense doesn't force any takeaways, doesn't turn people over for how many years? They did that yesterday, and they don't win the game without those turnovers. LaMarcus Joyner, you know, he's had a little bit of a rocky road so far as a member of this franchise. But you know what? Played his best game in a Jet uniform yesterday, hands down. Two INTs in on several pass breakups, tremendous game. How about that pass rush? We said, where is the Jet pass rush? You got too many talented guys on the defensive line to not get home to the quarterback. Well, you had Quinn and Williams. You had Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff, guy who was inactive for the earlier games this year. Suits up, gets a roster spot on game day. How disruptive was Bryce Huff in that football game? Right? How disruptive? I thought Bryce Huff... Every time he was on the field was in that Steeler backfield creating havoc. And on that back end, no communication issues. None. None whatsoever. They said they would clean those up. They cleaned them up. So these are things that you could build on. And I'll say this too. 
I kind of, I don't remember if I said it exactly or I may have alluded to it in the postgame show yesterday, but I'll repeat it. The way that offensive line was trying to operate out there, right, and the fact that you had Elijah Vera Tucker play left tackle, how about that? AVT at LT yesterday. Zach Wilson was running for his life. Joe Flacco was the quarterback yesterday. They don't win that football game. They don't win that football game because Joe Flacco doesn't have the escapability that Zach Wilson does. Not even close. Zach Wilson kept several of those plays alive or at the very least avoided significant losses in yardage just with his legs. Joe Flacco wasn't doing that. You had Vera Tucker at left tackle. Nobody saw that coming. Max Mitchell gets hurt in the game. Now you're going to be without him probably for at least several weeks, right? You're down five tackles already, and we're four weeks into the season. Five offensive tackles. I mean, somebody's got like a, a, a voodoo spell on this offensive line right now. They can't stay healthy. But they still managed to go out there, lace up the chin straps, and play football. And that was a spirited effort. It really and truly was. How about the clutch catches that Corey Davis made? in that game yesterday. How about those? I thought Corey Davis played as good of a game as a Jet as we've seen. I know he had a couple touchdowns in that Tennessee win last year, and he had the two TDs in the first game against Carolina, but the clutch factor, the clutch gene from Corey Davis, they don't win that game without his catches on those final two drives. Brees Hall just keep churning. It was tough sledding in the running game yesterday, but just kept pounding, kept pounding, and ultimately was able to break the dam and get into the end zone for that game-winning touchdown. A little bit too close for comfort, though, with the ball security, but still made the plays when he had to. And we were sitting here calling for, you know, the offense to maybe be a little bit more balanced. Maybe not so many throws. You know, you shouldn't be throwing 55 passes in a game. Yesterday it was a little bit more even, which you like to see wasn't perfect, and there's some things that need cleaning up. But you know what the bottom line is? Remember all throughout the summer when the schedule was out and we were talking about this Jets team and what they could possibly do, and what did I say? You're a Jet fan? You sign up for 2-2 two and two in the first four. When everybody thought it was murderer's row against that AFC North division, sign up for 2-2, two and two, and guess what? You got 2-2. Two and two. It was a little weird. It wasn't conventional. It's not how you would draw it up to get to 2-2. Two and two. You had a couple of ugly defeats. You maybe had a very, very fortunate victory. And yesterday was, it took a come-from-behind effort in the fourth quarter. But you got your two wins. You don't give wins back in the NFL. They all count just the same. And now you, at the very least, have guaranteed yourself a month of October that is going to be relevant for you. And you got two games within your division. At home in the month of October. Don't want to look too far ahead, right? Starting with the Dolphins this week. You want to win a home game. You got to play well in front of your home fans. You got to win a division game. You haven't won a division game in a couple of years. Two is out. Bridgewater's in. Got to start stacking wins together. Can't just win one, then lose one. Win one, lose two, lose three. Got to start winning games back-to-back, and the opportunity is right in front of them coming up on Sunday against one of your arch rivals on your home field in front of your fans with some momentum. Wouldn't three and two sound nice? Wouldn't it? I think it's long overdue. Jet calls next. 
800-919-3776. Dan Grasso, Overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's funny, we're watching that sequence with Brees Hall with the touchdown yesterday. We're in the studio, me and Buttle, and the TV broadcast, they're still sitting there trying to sort out the fumble. Like, who's got the fumble? When did the ball come out? And, and, and we're sitting there screaming to absolutely nobody, but more to the television, will you just show the replay of the football? Because as we all know from watching football over these years, all the ball has to do, even the nose of it, the tip of the football, just has to brush the white going into the end zone. Even just ever so slightly with possession and it's a touchdown. That's all that mattered. Then they finally got around to that. So while they were sorting everything out, you saw the replay. Brees Hall had his mitts right around it and you knew that rational thinking would call it a touchdown for the Jets, and that's what happened. But you still have to sort out those last couple of plays, right? And that last Hail Mary attempt, and thankfully the Jets' defense once again was able to make a play on that final sequence, get the INT, and walk out of Pittsburgh with a victory. Guys, again, I know that this isn't Bradshaw to Swan and Stallworth, and Mean Joe Green is not on that defensive line, and, you know, this isn't the Steelers team that we're used to seeing. But... Going into that game, and we were kind of breaking it down, what's it going to take to win, and so on and so forth, you thought at the very least that if it was going to be a close football game, that you know the Steelers are a well-coached group, right? Mike Tomlin, he's never had a losing season. In the 15 years or 16 years he's been on the job, not a one. And the closer the game, you thought, all right, maybe that's edge Steelers. They're home. And that coaching staff and that head coach have been in a lot more of these situations than, let's say, the Jet coaching staff, which is all in their second year together. But they were able to pull it out. And with the quarterback being the guy who was leading that charge, that's got to give you a little extra pep in your step if you're a fan going into next week and going through the rest of the season.